Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am Matt Earl. So this week on Talking in Stations, uh, we're going to talk about some CCP news, but mostly the new expert systems, which we'll cover in detail in just a few minutes. And of course, we'll give you the war report, let you know what's going on in Delve, which is probably one of the biggest wars EVE Online has ever seen. But also, we'll visit the North and see what's going on up there as people are resettling after the fraternity versus free men war is uh, wrapping up. Uh, first, I want to review what happened this week on Talking in Stations. If you want to see any of these videos or hear any of these podcasts, you can find it uh, at Spotify or Apple News. Uh, it's called Newsday Eve Online. It's by Talking in Stations. Uh, you can check that out, again, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Talking in Stations, as it turns out. Uh, so this week, we covered, on Monday, Spies and Intel with Antar Logan, which was a great interview with somebody who's been a spy master for a while. And he's also the guy that you may have heard of that was selling, um, I guess, conduits or pings for $12 billion to legacy groups. And he explains all that, plus uh, some of the interesting stuff that's happened over his career, including the infiltration of Guardians of the Galaxies or Dead Coalition's... Uh, Spymaster team uh, by test. So test actually infiltrated Guardians of the Galaxy's uh, spy team and helped disassemble it. On Tuesday, we talked about marauders and how they're the kings of battleships. We did some real world looking at uh, some of the use cases for the new marauders. We did that with Ashtarathi and Hateless. That's a great episode as well. So check that out. Uh, then we talked about exploits and golden ammo, uh, which is basically uh, CCP talking about and fixing and declaring an exploit for dreadnoughts in Abyssal, um, I guess it, with Abyssal capital units. So, uh, but we talked about a number of things around monetization and exploitation and how people play the game at a, at a, at a, right at the edge. Abyssal siege modules. Abyssal siege modules. Thank you. And uh, on Thursday, we talked about this new thing that we'll talk about again today, expert systems. And we did a quick reaction and deep dive into the way it's been set up. And we demonstrated it since it's on CC test server. So you can visually see that. Again, that's on the Thursday show. And then finally, CCP um, released their, actually it was um, the financial report from Pearl right Abyss that owns CCP. And they talked about how uh, their, how they're doing in general. And we had an interesting view at how, how EVE Online is doing because they broke out the IP for EVE Online. So there's an in-depth show with two financial guys, Noisy Gamer and Dirk McGurk. He's a very astute financial guy. We talked about how uh, these groups are incentivized to produce stuff and, and what happened there. We'll review a bit of that today, but that's what you can see in Talking In Stations over the last week uh, on YouTube or again through Newsday Podcast. All right, but today we have the crew in our panel, which reviews the week. We get some detailed views into some of the stuff that we've covered during the week. So I want to introduce Elise Randolph from Pandemic Legion. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Arcia from Electus Matari. Hey, how you doing? Sutonia from Volta. Hey. And Caleb from, are you from anywhere? <laughs> no, uh, I'm still in my old corp that was founded pretty much uh, before anything uh, turned on at the CCP. So. All right. 
but you have an affiliation with the Imperium and uh, yeah. a lot of financial stuff. Right? Yeah, I'm in I'm in INN and as a producer uh, on INN, we're up the push to talk show with uh, McLeod and Eric Ashmore. Right. So with, Mac- that, with that's Mac- my affiliation, really. With McLeod, who is our engineer and who's here and is providing you a lot of visuals. Uh, okay, so I want to start with you guys. Just going back real quick to last week, we talked about um, how Snuff had killed the Keepstar in ignoring but they also now had their they declared war on uh the tranquility trade center which is the big financial center that players own inside a perimeter near jita and that just fizzled because they got their um they got their what home base for it the was war deck destroyed war, war deck structure it was it was an unfit writer they were kind of like it seems like they were just like it's, fucking, it was a meme, right? right? It, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was an unfit Raitaru. I mean, that's it's a power move. And uh, I think a lot of it was, like, the, a lot of the purpose was the, the memes on, on Reddit, which I despise Reddit, but Snuff has a pretty good, pretty good meme game, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they single-handedly made... Uh made uh, like the worst like test and goon posters make some really embarrassing threads so i mean they got their 500 mil out of the retire and the wardek fee <laughs> explain that just a little bit that what was the what was it just bait for people to bad post from the people they were uh, i'm assuming that's what they did it for but then there was a ton of like uh, bad posts from like certain uh, reddit posters who uh, last week were saying they're going to exterminate goons and then this week they're saying we're going to work together with goons to destroy snarf and power together i'm, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be honest as an outsider it like looks they're like oh now they're working together and i mean i get pointing your guns in the same direction as somebody you don't like but like the fact that they are all in on this TTT together does kind of make us on the outside look at Test and Goons and be like, I don't think you guys are on the level in your <laughs> war. Oh, it's cool because it made all of the conspiracy guys come back. You know, the guys who say that the war is just fake and this is a yeah. has been planned, right? And like on season five of Nolsec, episode six, you know, the Delve is going to get conquered, but then in the new season, you know, the the Matani is going to come back. Legacy dies at the end of it and. No, like Nolsec is just professional wrestling, right? Like, like Goon's gonna be down through the last system, then all of a sudden, like Matani Hogan's music is gonna play and brings out a chair, (laughs) comes out and hits Billy with a chair and wins the (laughs) title back. Yeah, and someone turns that referee around like CCP, and then some like weird exploit comes out, and the CCP says they didn't see it. The look, no, like pro god hit no pro god hits Billy with a chair, and it's actually a big betrayal. And then there's a story arc about that. Okay, this is matching our manga talk before or manga before the show started. Uh, Okay, so that was uh, oh, yes, that's for the blooper reel. Snuff um, is out of the picture for at least a couple of weeks. They're sidelined because if you lose your structure in a war deck, you're sidelined for a couple of weeks. So I, I don't think Snuff ever really wanted to. This is this is in retrospect. I thought they were going to go at, attack the TTD, but I think that they don't really want to do anything in high sec. Um, I think they were mostly just memeing and they're not really going to focus on anything in high sec. So like the two week thing doesn't really... I don't think they care about it. Oh, there are even enough tags on the Jitter market for Snuff to like take like 200 of their characters and make them positive. 
yeah, God, oh my God, the the security tags for for snuff to attack the TTT would be absurd. So, so Tony is talking about uh, if you're a bandit, uh, the basically the empires don't want you in their area, but you can buy your way out buying tags, and so you can pay your way back to standings that don't uh, exclude you from high sec, and so. Uh, there's a yeah. There are a special there are special battleships that are in low security system in in belts, um, clone soldiers, and there's different levels. One in each of the various point four, point three, point two, and point one systems, um, and you need those tags. You can tag up with the various tags from negative ten to negative to zero, right? And um, oh, you it, can make it, it all the way to zero. You can make it all the way to zero. It takes different kinds of tags. Like the ones that go from negative two to zero are only found in the point one systems and they're the most expensive because not because they're in the point one systems, but because they're the ones people need the most, right? Yeah, and uh, perimeter is a 1.0 system, which means you need to be negative uh, 1.99 or lower. So you would need to yeah. at least buy some of the more expensive tags. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, so then uh, also we talked last week about marauders and um, they were coming out, so they were still theoretical. Theoretical, and then on Tuesday they came out, right? Surprised everybody. And uh, any any quick observations on that? Uh, I know Suetonia has seen some, but uh, obviously the price of marauders has gone through the roof. Uh, these things they weren't really in high demand too much before this, uh, so I'm sure the production lines are struggling to catch up. So in probably about a week to 10 days, you'll start seeing more of these things coming off the uh, factory lines. Uh, it's it's going to be one of those neat situations in EVE where people might overproduce. So the uh, the price actually might fall really low or at least a little bit lower than it is now, or, or at least lower than it should be, I should say. Um, so that might happen. So if you're in the market for a Marauder, maybe just wait for a little bit. Uh, I have seen a lot of people run some missions and some... Uh, like nullsec sites and just a polarized golem, which is very cool because it does like almost 4,000 DPS. Uh, I know some people have posted videos of doing solo content in a C5 as well, not with a polarized fit, but with an actual fit. Um, so so that, that's pretty cool to see. Uh, they're just doing a lot of damage. People are using them because they, um, you know, they're more efficient to use than a carrier really, to, to run a lot of these sites. And in high sec, obviously, they're the most efficient thing to use for, for missions. Um, I think it's probably going to start beating out ships like the Bargast. Uh, hopefully, Halus isn't watching and he's going to, like, correct me somewhere. But, so, uh, yeah. Um, I know multi-box golems were definitely a thing. Like, um, everybody knows about the, the multi-boxer who is running world arcs in Pachvan with golems. Um, I wonder if like that that's been buffed because with the golems being stronger, you can use uh, auto targeting missiles and run like twenty of them at once a lot easier than you could something that actually has to lock its targets, right? So I yeah, Portion uh, Farmer is using rapid heavies, though, right? And they don't actually the Bastion model doesn't actually affect the rapid heavy. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I, I heard something along the lines of Lachecks were clearing certain sites in like 19 minutes, but what Marauders you could do it in like 16. And so somebody was able to like speed up quite a bit because you don't have to wait for the weapon to ramp up to max damage. It gets right to max damage right away, but it's costing you more ammo and that sort of thing. It's also one of those weird skills that very few people probably have Marauders 5 trained, right? It's probably 
Suetonia, myself, like 10 other people who played in the Alliance tournament who needed that skill. <laughs> I have Marauders 5 on two characters. Fight. I'm, I'm going to go on two characters too. Nice. So that's like you half guys. of the Marauder 5 pilots. That's true. <laughs> uh, but now, so I mean, it does give people, and this is really like small, small scale, right? but it does give people things to train, right? So if you're kind of well advanced in your EVE Online skill points, you're like, ah, oh, shit, what do I train now? Marauders 5 is a viable option. It does a lot for you. All right. So that's Marauders. Uh, check them out. We'll have more to say about them later on when they finally settle down. But um, but that was it. They came out kind of unexpected, though, right? Did you, were you guys surprised? I heard a lot of surprise. Like, wow, that was fast. And it wasn't even what they had expected. They said that uh, the final numbers where everything settled were a little bit different than expected. I was surprised that the Bastion timer was dropped to 30 when it was originally stated, oh, it's going to be 90. It's going to gonna, gonna make the trade-off where you have to wait longer. And they're like, actually, no, I'm going to cut that in half. going to not make the trade-off because they need to be better. And I kind of agree with that because I still think that you're not going to see marauders outside of the niche situations like the missions and the multi-box farmers and like specific ratting instances because in a lot of like actual like player versus player combat it's it's just more efficient to drop a dread in low and null security space um because a the insurance on the dread and b like you can just kind of i have dread here dreads over here now it just jumped on you get get wrecked nerd (laughs) i still think that marauders when they're in bastion should be a mobile sino jammer that would get them used that would actually be pretty neat. Uh, the one good thing, or I guess one of the neat takeaways from this, from like a non-Marauder pilot, is, you know, Team Talos pitched this idea of a Marauder's buff. Uh, community responded. A lot of people who flew these ships went on to make like good good cases for why they didn't like the buffs that CCB had proposed. And then two days later, those buffs are on the test server. And then two days after that, or those tweaks are on the test server. Then two days after that, they're on the live server. So you're talking about four days from someone saying in the community or multiple people in the community saying, Hey, you know, we like that you're touching Marauders, but, uh, you know, the actual problem is this, this, and this. So until this is addressed, you know, they're still not going to be used. CCB saying, yeah, that makes some sense. Okay. It's done. Uh, I think that's such a cool thing, um, to, to see happen. Right. And it's hopefully we, we see more of this in the future where people can make, not just like cry posts, not like CCB please posts, but like very well-reasoned arguments for why something should be a little bit different. Uh, and then CCB just acts on it and makes it reality. Hmm. Well, yeah, we'll see. I think they're, I think they're uh, eager to get onto things since they, I think January kind of were just waking up to uh, after the holidays. So they're, they seem to be eager to do stuff. By the way, uh, we should say that tomorrow on the Oz show, uh, Ratati um, will be on. Uh, so you might want to check that out. That would be a good discussion. It's financial streamer talking to the scarcity lord of CCP. Yeah, that's so, going to be a, a huge one, right? Because there, there's so many questions about scarcity. And it feels like every time CCB Ritari or CCB Psych come on a uh, talk show, they leak a little bit too much. <laughs> not not too much, or maybe not leaks is the, the right word, but they divulge um, behind the curtain a little bit more than perhaps they want to. 
Yeah, well, yeah, the important yeah. thing about that, in my opinion, is that we almost got Rise to leak on the Pando uh, show, right? He was about to say something that sounded a lot like he was about to tell us stuff about the Orca and Rockpool changes, and then he stopped himself mid-track and uh, reminded everyone that that was maybe something that should be the ecosystem uh, team that should be announcing that. But... There's a, another little uh, thing that is now, uh, well, it's public information. Um, Rattati is not well, um, the lead of the ecosystem team, or at least he's been upgraded uh, to a new title. He's head of uh, product. So, um, oh wow, what that exactly means uh, is every anyone's guess. Um, we're going to have to wait and see if he will tell us something about that um, on that stream. Tomorrow. Okay. Well, check that out. Um, and uh, one quick thing about Marauders, yeah. going back real fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. In chat does mention something that I think a lot of PVEers, wink, have been asking for, and that's a fifth mid on the Chronos. For PVE activities, that is required. Wink. And, and you know, part of their wink, if you're, not, if you're not in on the hip joke, a fifth mid would make the Chronos a beast in PvP environments, and uh, PRMB would probably stream fighting some and, and losing some. So I think for that alone, I would want a fifth mid on the Kronos. What is a mid slot? <laughs> Amar players, two I mid think slots. Navy has five mids, Asya. I know. I, I just like memeing. Oh, it's that thing I put my scram in, right? <laughs> okay. So let's actually talk about the topics. Uh, we'll switch over to uh, what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about some CCP news. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, expert systems and then uh, we'll get to the war report a little bit ready. Um, actually, let's let's switch those up and do the expert systems first. I want to bring in a guest, Carneros, who just arrived uh, here. You can see a symbol there from his Bastion Alliance that he is the head of. How are you doing, Carneros? Oh, great. Great. Happy Sunday, folks. How are you doing? Happy Sunday. It's good to see you on here. Let's talk about expert systems. Um, Carneros, do you want to introduce what it is? Okay. Uh, keeping in mind that I don't know any more than anyone else about this. I just have seen the announcement and uh, um, a little bit of, of what's going on, you know, in the, in the discourse of the community. I don't know any, none of my friends at CCP have leaked anything to me or anything. So I don't have that. And real quick, I didn't introduce you properly. You're the leader of Bastion, but you're also a former CCPer. Uh, and part of your area yeah. of expertise in the gaming industry uh, have to do with, um, I guess, with clients, right? Or with players. Well, yeah. At, at one point in my career, I was working at CCP and I was in charge of cool things to sell and Eve to make money, which this falls under. So, right. uh, or uncool things as was sometimes <laughs> shot down by the CSM. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay. So... Uh, this is basically temporarily renting skills. It doesn't give you a ship. Um, you know how when you do the daily logging campaign, it sometimes gives you a, uh, a skin that you can only use for 30 days. Now, it's a little bit like that. It doesn't give you the ship. It just gives you the ability to do the skin temporarily, and it takes away later. But instead of being something purely cosmetic and useless, like a skin, this is something useful in-game. 
My assumption is it will do it with skills that are normally considered Omega skills and temporarily give an alpha player the ability to play it. But I'm just guessing it might require you to be Omega to even use an expert system. They've only given the bare shape of the idea. They have not explained any details to us at all yet, and that's deliberate. When you, when you have a new feature like this, you sort of have your choice. Do I come out with a fully developed, well-documented program that, and explain every edge case, but then I look like I don't listen to the players in advance? It looks like I do everything by fiat and just give it to you over the transom. Or do I come out with something uh, only partially described, hear feedback, uh, then tell people, then take that into account and then finish all the details. And then I look like I'm responsive. There's two approaches, but I also look somewhat less prepared. And maybe the idea looks less thought out, even if it is, because I, I'm not presenting any details. There's two approaches to how to present this. CCP's doing the latter. Anyway, so they, they may have this thought out, but they haven't explained anything yet. They haven't explained what it will cost. Um, they've they've given a bare bare outline that says it will be cost ineffective to rent the skill compared to buying the skill and actually trading it. For example, uh, that's all they've really said. How people will get the ships to try stuff out, you know, that's an open question still. Uh, but yeah, rent a skill. There are some other games that have done things like this before, either given temporary access to a piece of content or temporary access to a skill set um, uh, of, of sorts. Uh, not, uh, I, you know, we, at another game company I worked at, we did a little bit of this, uh, and I now wish I had looked at the <laughs> sales numbers to see what the breakdown was for renters versus purchasers, because I think that would have been Super interesting to see for in, on Planet Side Two. Uh, not that that's a direct competitor to Eve Online in any way. They're both science fictiony, but that's about it. Uh, and they're both large scale, but uh, would have been would have been interesting. Yeah. What, can, uh, can you review real quick on how you get into these skills and who you think they're meant for? Well, I, you know, I could guess they haven't released. Mm -hmm much information on what the packages will look like. I assume they, they are designed to answer a question for younger players, meaning newer players. Ask, ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> when you get into your EVE career, what do you want to make for an EVE career? So now, go ahead. what do you think these would have to look like to make sense in, in an era of injectors and in an era of even direct money for skill points like in those packs that give you like skill points for real world money for it like, to make sense it would need to have a broad uh, selection to pick from it would it can't be like going into an ice cream shop and they only have two flavors of ice cream that won't work it needs to tell a story of new eden having a breadth of of career opportunities and options and uh, which is in fact true there are a lot of different things you can do in this game uh, but it needs to be presented as a big selection a, a sort of a chinese restaurant menu so to speak 
Um, it, that would be one factor. Uh, another factor is um, discovery needs to be enhanced. If you just put it in the store we call secure, I don't believe it's going to have enough discovery. I think, and, and Suetonia brought this up separately. Suetonia, tell us what you were saying in, in Discord uh, earlier about um, uh, Plex sales, et cetera, being able to pay for it with Plex. All right, yeah. Uh, I was a little uh, disappointed to see, uh, well, I guess it's nothing's 100% confirmed yet. Uh, I've been told, it says states in the dev blog and that it's been confirmed by a CSM member that uh, it's not going to be in the New Eden store, the NES store, which is the store you can access in-game and can purchase items with Plex. So it won't be a tradable item or an item that you can purchase with Plex. You can only purchase it from the uh, secure store, like you said. And it's a little disappointing to me because uh, as uh, as someone who plays a game and sometimes I try to get my friends into the game, it would be if I w if there's uh, some packs on there, like let's say the mining pack or the exploration pack, or maybe there's a a pack that gives you uh, like a a, le a level three Drake mission runner kind of skills. If I could pay for it with ISK, then it it would be very like I would be totally fine saying, okay, I'm gonna spend three hundred mil. Uh, get a, one of my friends into the game. Let's get them the, the Drake pack, and then I can run missions with them, and that'd be a much better way to introduce them to the game. It could also be something that you could work towards as a player too, right? Like how you can uh, PVE towards injectors. You could, uh, uh, you know, like PVE towards, uh, you know, using a mining barge for a week because you want to go mine with your corp, but you, you don't necessarily maybe want to uh, skill train into mining barges. I think it would also make sense for like uh, events, like when in in the uh, winter event when they had those mining sites that only allowed the industrial ships in. Maybe it's like, oh, we give you a mission to go do a mining site, but uh, here is this expert pack for the mining barge, and that would like kind of give push players in, in like a direction of like. I'm I'm going to go try it out this thing I've never tried before because the game is telling me, hey, go try this out. And you could have like maybe different missions in each event, like the the uh, the Guardians Gala, the Angel Cartel events. Like here is a signable pack. Go do this mission. Here is a uh, procure a pack in the winter event. Go mine. And like you could kind of have these in-game things that kind of like push people in different directions to try out different things that they might not otherwise try out by themselves. I think that would be a good use of it. I think putting it in a secure store feels like a, how can we make more money off of this player base kind of move? That's and like, it's kind of a pessimistic outlook, but that's kind of how I feel. I'd like to uh, chime in on that one because I think it's important to, to note that there might actually be some sanity to what CCP is actually doing in this case. Because even though it might feel like it's a good idea to make everything available for, for Plex, the problem is if this is something that gets very popular, um, then you will actually end up pressuring um, the price and the cost in the um, in a situation where you're doing the the, the, the play to pay. Um, if you have this thing being a Plex item that pays for it then the price will actually go up uh, real value-wise for Plex. That will basically 
make people less likely to be able to, or at least make it more costly to actually flex your account. So there is some good idea to, to doing this, but I do understand why people would like to be able to sort of uh, almost gift it uh, to, to their new members. And I still think that the solution that uh, Ozzy is kind of hinting at, and I think Dunk Dinkle this, did as well, is more something that is achievement-based and, and event-based. I think it would be a bad idea to put it on uh, a Plex service also because that could make it a little bit of a an unbalanced thing if you can suddenly... Uh, as far as I know, you can also use them for alphas. And if you can suddenly like massively buff and boost alphas, you could see situations where this becomes a balance problem, right? If it's for Plex, uh, because then people that are already rich in game will pretty much just be buffing their, their alpha fleets. And uh, I see many um, cases where that could be a problem. So I think this is actually maybe a good idea. The only bad idea, uh, in my opinion, is the fact that you're, you're taking money from new players. And I think that might not be the best solution. So there, there's a little bit of up and uh, of pros and cons the way that I feel about this. And I think Carneros will agree with me when, when it comes to the Magic 14 that we've actually seen mentioned. Uh, this is very reminiscent the Magic of the 14. It's the skills that is pretty much almost like required for basic flying. You, you, you can hardly fit any standard or normal fits even at the at the low end without these skills right why are they why are they magic they're magic because they're, they're the ones much, you should always train on like in yeah, the character you make they're, yeah. they're the ones you need before you magic train. just call them core well, skills they're, they're ships that affect every single ship in the game matter all for example like navigation engineering like uh, no, I, no I matter what facetious. ship you're flying they benefit i, I know what they are i'm being facetious that they're called magic 16 or whatever it's can I, they're can core I skills point, Marrow, please. yeah finish your point well, the point is that this this is the skills that are almost required to train before you train anything else and the reason yeah. i I wanted to ask Carneros, this is very reminiscent of the problem we had with learning skills, right? So it feels like they are f trying to do a new solution to a problem that they already saw before. So I just don't understand why they don't try something that's not necessarily a monetization scheme. I don't think that's the optimal way to go. I kind of worry that like a random player will come in from another game without understanding even be like, I'm going to buy a battleship pack and I'm going to buy Plex to buy a battleship and I'm going to fit out my Abaddon with auto cannons, like eight different auto cannons and go do elite PVP because I've got an, and they're going to like lose this like terrible ship and be like, this game sucks because nothing ever taught them anything. And they just threw money at the problem. And that's going to turn like maybe people who could have been taught away. Unlike the big whales, don't they just already spent by like skill injectors anyway, though? Like it doesn't really change much, right? All right go ahead, Carneros. Let's move on. Yeah, that's true. If, you, if you've got enough money in real life or enough plex in real life, you can just get someone, another character that has whatever trained up. Uh, and then you could, um, you know, give them skill injectors or, you know, that's another option. I mean, with enough ISK and, or enough Plex or enough RM, I mean, real money, you can get past this already. But yeah. um, for it to really be successful, I think it still has a discovery issue. I'm, I'm convinced in my mind they are doing this for new players. So much of what CCP is focused on lately is about new players and getting them to get in the game and stay in the game. I, you know, if they, if they could have 
twice as many players and none of us playing anymore? Or I think they would say, okay, and just take it. <laughs> no offense, but you know, they, they want the new players. Now they, uh, so they're focused, they're focused on that. Not, this is not about how can we make more ISK? Uh, so our bottom line looks good. And no, this is not that they're not, they're not designing this so that, Oh, look, we just announced a buff to Marauders. Let's say the Imperium for some reason, says, let's do a golem fleet. Um, y'all have to get Marauders five for this. Uh, but you can rent this golem pack temporarily for a week while you're training it up. It won't even get you there, by the way, a week's not enough. You're going to need to train longer, but um, they're not trying to do that to make money. There would be people who bought it, by the way, if you did that. It's, oh, I'll rent the golem until I can fly it. This is about new players trying to find what they want to do. And for that to work, it really, really, really needs more discovery than just putting it in the secure store. I think mm. they would need to have tokens that represent in-game the, the expert system. Now, I'm not saying make it look like a book. But they need little. They need a token that can then go get added to the marketplace. So much discovery in Eve happens through the marketplace. You go through. You look at what's going on there. You even an a, uh, an old grizzled veteran like Elise could learn things just going through the Eve marketplace these days. There's so much information in there. You could have a career section. You could have all the expert packs presented. You could have 25 of them uh, they, that won't confuse players because they'll know each is just an option. And you can rent them each and try them all and see which ones they like. Uh, I'll, I'll get, I get asked a lot, um, by the way, where, what's a good corp for me to join? And these days I, I, I kind of answer, well, what do you want to do, Neve? Let's find one that does what you think you want to try. Um, they'll have people there who could help you learn the ropes, you know, give you little hints and tips, loan you a ship, stuff like that. Um, but a lot of people don't know what they want to do in Eve yet. Yeah, now, I think that's making a, them a... making them purchasable by Plex, by the way, or ISK. I'm sorry, by ISK would tie into putting them in the marketplace and discovery. Go ahead. So I think what Carnaro is saying is kind of hits it on the nose. And, and whether this is going to be uh, a feature that I like or one that I'm pretty mad about uh, relies on two things. One, the, the scope of the skills that you can get. Um, if it's like getting to a barge for a week just to see if you like mining, I'm okay with it. If it's And I'm taking it to an extreme here. Obviously, they're not going to do it. But if, if it's like getting to a Titan for a week just to see how you like it, then I don't think so. There's a happy medium somewhere. Um, if it's getting into a Marauder, I still don't like it. It's getting into a battleship really quickly, I still don't like it. If it's getting into a cruiser, yeah, then maybe I'm okay with it, right? Um, so there's there's a lot of granularity there. The second point that's going to be important for me um, is the price point of it. Um, and, and I know this shouldn't make any difference at all, but that is going to send a big message. If it's like six bucks, Thumbs up for me, right? You're, you're bridging the gap between someone that just started the game, doesn't know if they want to be Omega. You say, you know, Omega's 12 bucks, 15 bucks. Give this like, think of this as like a, a trial plus plus for things that you can look forward to. Six bucks, you're a miner for a week. 
uh, then I'm okay with it. If it's like 20 bucks, um, not, not okay with it, right? Like that, I think that's, that's going to be the huge sticking point, at least personally for me. Um, other than that, I, I like the mechanic of it. I, I'm sure I'm going to get beaten up over this, but I like the idea. Carneros does it, says it perfectly, right? You enter EVE Online. What, are the, what does an EVE Online player tell you? They say, oh, it's a sandbox. You can do anything you want. But when you're new, and even when you've been playing for a year, you don't know what that anything is, right? You get into this choice paralysis where you're like, shit, I have to pick something because, you know, in EVE Online, you have to specialize. So I have to specialize in something. So your first 20 days in EVE Online, you're like, oh, shit, do I want to be an explorer? Do I want to be a PvPer? Do I want to be a mission runner? Uh, uh, I'll go this way. And let's say, let's say you spend two months going down this path, getting better and better at it, and you don't like it. Suddenly, you've spent three months playing this game. You have no idea what else it has to offer because you hyper-specialized in like mining. Turns out you hate mining, uh, and you don't even know what's left, so you just leave. right? You, you just leave and never come back. You don't make a Reddit post about it. You don't tell your friends. You don't go into a podcast and complain about stuff. You're just gone, and we never knew what you could have been. Let him at least finish his point. He was about to finish. And then you but, go. It, it frustrates me that, that people no, don't... You can't talk. Let at least finish. He needs to finish. It's okay, Caleb. It, it's going to kill me now if you don't, if you don't uh, say your piece. So, so go in real quick. It's just, if, if it's plex and isk sensitive, it's like pulling up the ladder behind you because you're basically favoring the people that are either... Uh, the whales or the very isk rich people and groups in the game because they will be able to basically give this to their new players right the reason i think that ccp is trying to put this behind a cash thing is to remove that benefit and i think it's important that we don't because if it's a plex thing i can understand the discovery thing because in that i agree with carneros they, they need to be able to know that this thing exists and and it needs to hit a price point where they can also afford it but i just don't want to see how this could potentially get gamed if it gets into the plex economy because it will raise the cost of price it will be exclusive to the people that already have wealth either isk or real life wealth and i think that's really really risky yeah, so that that's kind of one of my points here as well, where I'm I'm okay with this being a cash only thing. Um, because if I could buy this for five hundred million isk, uh, and I'm horde, karma fleet, brave, something like that, or Eve University even, I'm buying twenty billion isk worth of this shit. And every new player that comes across my doorstep, I'm saying, Hey, join me instead of someone else. Um, I'll give you all this free stuff. It's really cheap for me. Um, you know, it's and then you're you're kind of stuck with me for life. So and there's other abuses for it too. Um, I, I do hope that there's some sort of middle grounds where you can, especially as someone like a, a content creator or uh, like Suetonia, like I, I wish there was some way for me as a player to give this to a friend that is starting, um, so he I can join him and do more fun stuff with him faster, right? Because that's that's the hook that gets people sucked into Eve Online is doing things with friends uh that that turns a six month player to a 10-year player right once you get those hooks in sooner uh, i'm good with that but to finish my point real quick uh these things if they are if they are cheap enough and they are low impact enough that they weren't they won't hurt um someone that's that spent 20 million skill points into doing stuff right they're not going to be 
uh, pushed out in the corner by these like $5 packs. Um, I think it's just a net win for everyone. You're talking about, I think CCP said something like 1.3 million new people, not accounts, but people. And I don't know where this number comes from. I'm just using their number. Those people tried the game and the retention of that moving from an alpha to an omega and playing actively, I'm guessing is in the gutter somewhere. So if we could do anything to make that a little bit better, I'm okay with it. If you monetize it along the way, I'm, I don't hate it either as long as it's like an okay number. Like that, that's, I know it's really weird that I'm sticking on the actual number, but that, that kind of tells me everything about how this is gonna intended to be used. Um, is it going to be a milking feature? $10, $15? Yeah, milking feature. I, I'm, I suddenly don't like it. Um, but four or five bucks? Okay. That's okay. Help, help people play Eve more. I want more people in space. I want to see them do dumb stuff. Um, there was a thread on Reddit just a couple days ago. This guy's flying around in his rifter. And he said, I've been flying around in a rifter with civilian guns for the last week. Today I learned that there are other guns. <laughs> like, like, I want to see more of those stories. I want to see more people like that. And if this gets me there, then I'm all for it. All right. Next time, Caleb, you can interrupt Elise. He went really long this time. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, can I jump? Can I jump? In yes, I was, I was turning okay. it back to you. Go ahead. Let, now, now let's talk. Let's talk for a moment about monetization on this. Okay, let's talk about monetization. It takes a lot of money to make an MMORPG. It takes a lot of money to continue making an MMORPG after it's already been made to keep developing it. We've been, I'm in the US, I think of $15 a month as a, a subscription price for an MMORPG. I have been acclimatized to that over the years. In fact, that's been the number in my head since 1996, 1997, since Ultima Online and Meridian 59. Um, it was adopted by EverQuest, it was adopted by World of Warcraft. It's an old, old number. These things are more expensive to make now than they were then. And everyone's trying to make do as best they can. The tools and the software licenses are more numerous and more expensive every year before you even count labor or all the other things that go into this. It is, it is damn expensive to make these things. So that's why people do cosmetic sales and uh, all kinds of other things they can do and how, you know, they, they spend a, a significant amount of time every week trying to think of ways to keep the price as low as possible, keep it accessible to players, and keep the doors open and keep it running. And MMORPGs get shut down right and left. Like, seriously, if you knew how many MMOs got shut down this month, you'd be surprised. I, I've heard of at least five. So let's, let's keep that in mind that it's a good thing if CCP can make money from time to time in this. And that's not just my personal biases from my history uh, that I bring with me as I come to play Eve more. Now, in this particular case, it looks like it could be, you know, obviously we have to balance what this does to 
to to the plex market what this does to you know all, all the economics everywhere in the game but it looks like they could make a little money from it and they could help new players find their way and that could be a win-win so i'm i'm enough optimistic to say let's give it a try and let's help guide them as best we can we have we have experience no we have evidence in the past month that CCP listens to what we say and applies it rather quickly uh, to what they build. I'd like to do my two cents on that one because I'm a huge fan of actually giving CCP money. I just don't think that historically they've been very good at actually making something that I want to pay for. And of course you have the vanity things, but the way that I play EVE, I don't really care that much about what my ship looks like. Um, so it's really about how do you target the monetization so what goes into the plex economy which is kind of the play to pay uh, economy of of eve online and it still works and it's a genius uh, design and, and and invention maybe you can't say that the ccp can claim that but it's very close because they were one of the first ones to actually do this when they converted uh, the, the the game time uh, uh cards right stuff like that so I'm I'm more focused on the fact that I don't get angry when when game developers monetize. It's when they monetize in a way that is either almost feels like gambling or it feels like milking the wrong segment. And I think when you're focusing something like a service to to the the, the new players, this is not where you should start taking money. This is where you should uh, acknowledge that. Getting into Eve and getting to the uh, famous uh, uh, sunken cost fallacy, it takes a while, and I think I think it shouldn't be CCP should, should not consider the the player a dedicated uh, player until they are at least six to nine months old. Then you should start monetizing uh, the, their activity, and I think it should be very focused on things that are the things that we actually want. And I keep coming back to, and I have to mention this because. It's one of the things that I still don't understand. Why do we not have, have things like Alliance skins? I well, don't because that'll be the last skin you buy if you're part of an alliance. No, again, this is about how do you design it? If you make it a cyclical and a fair cyclical uh, uh, design point, people will actually buy it. So if, you, couldn't actually if, access if you're saying only monetize people who have already bought in, this feature is not for them because they're going to, this is not going to be cost effective to training into a new part of the game that you want to play. This is for people who are indecisive about where to fit in or want to make a career change. Maybe the people that aren't even sure they want to stick around in EVE Online and you don't want them to go out of frustration. This seems like it's aimed for them. But this is where the, the magic four is a problem. And Dunk has actually pointed this out, as I, as I mentioned. It, it's a problem very similar to the old school learning uh, skills, right? You had, you were forced to actually train those first effectively, and if you didn't do it effectively, you got left behind. Magic and, and fourteen are ridiculous, and I don't think they're required for every pilot. It's if you're it's going to fly pretty much almost required for every not for fit station that's traders, useful. not no. for people who are building things. If, they, if, they, if they make a station trading pack, it's going to be horrible because having a only rented uh, market orders is just silly. <laughs> the point yeah. is that when it comes to monetization, I think CCP should not compare themselves with so much the other game developers because I think the type of willingness and the age of the player base is so different. We have so many people that are older 
have more available and spendable money, and they are willing to spend a lot of money on this game and this community. So I think they should start looking more at that type of monetization. I get a little bit angry when they try to get newish players to actually use their credit card uh, in addition to what they already might be doing if they're subbing. So I think there's just something wrong with the strategy. I, I don't like it. One last thing about the Magic 14, because clearly I have like a feather in my eye about it. I just made that up. I don't know where that saying comes from, but it is very presumptuous that there is a Magic 14. There's a common core for fleet navigation and moving ships around, and that leads to a lot of gameplay. So yes, I see that it's important. It's not essential. A lot of people don't have all 14. And you even, you know, where's the 14 end? Are... I know it helps with fitting, so you can get those, uh, you know, get into different types of fits for ships that work a certain way and everything. But there's a ton of presumption that comes from that Magic 14 that everybody needs. If everybody needed Magic 14, they should have Magic 14 when they start. Uh, okay, and so I think what annoys me about it is the presumptions behind it, that this is Eve and you need this to play it. That doesn't sit well with me at all. Um, who's next? Carneros, you got anything else? <laughs> I, I'm happy. Awkward. <laughs> no, I'm good. I think we bad think transition. We, we covered it around to expert systems and monetization and and helping new players. And I think we're yeah. Good. There's, there's one last question because uh, clearly, like this upsets some people, and I've seen this before. Um, this is in, it comes in cycles. But what is at the core of people's people being upset about this i think there's two main points right the first point is people always get upset whenever ccp monetizes anything uh, there's always backlash regardless of how noble it might be even right uh, i think a, a subset of that right is like you just mentioned people get it like caleb just mentioned right is uh, the the perception of ccp trying to milk new players which uh, i don't think is the case uh, here from what i've seen that uh, that that's kind of the like knee-jerk reaction to it. I think the second thing is uh, uh, like the discussion we just had is that there's kind of uh, there's kind of like uh, people think that CCP should uh, get rid of the Magic 14 skills, and if CCP are selling them instead of uh, you know getting rid of them or changing them or doing some other kind of change with the Magic 14, I don't know. I personally, uh, I'm not really decided on <laughs> whether they should get rid of them or keep them. I'm sure they've uh, done some research into it, but I, I think that's where the the main uh, the, the main negativity is coming from is the, those two you, points. Why would you even? Pack pack I, I did not say this was milking. Uh, I don't feel like this is milking. I'm just saying that I would not ask the uh, the brandish new players to actually get their wallet out. But if they should, I think it's almost better if this was actually sold directly for this cost. If you could buy the Magic 14, uh, 14, that would almost be better, in my opinion. I think you know, there are two other reasons why people get upset. I got upset about this. But go, go ahead, Satunia. Oh, I was going to say, like, uh, I'd really like to see this maybe in the uh, career agents or when you do the SOE Epic Arc, because those are two main things you do when you start out, Eve. Like, if you did the, the mining uh, career agent first, maybe you get a, a mining pack at the uh, end of it. Or the SOE Epic Arc, like something that's that takes long enough that that a veteran isn't gonna do, like spend like three hours just to abuse something. 
But like if you if you like finish the SV Epic Arc, which normally you finish like with your first destroyer, right? Then you get a cruiser pack of a race that you want, like something like that. that that's something that I'd really like to see. Well, it just feels like that would just be something that gets taken away from you later, which would be awkward. But I, I, I go ahead, Carneros. I interrupted you. Yeah, the, no, the question was, uh, why did people get so upset about this, um, those that did? And I could think of two other reasons. And one is because um, either they're an EVE player who's frustrated at the current state of the game uh, with regard to the, the scarcity of resources and uh, the difficulty of uh, making ISK. And it, it's a lot harder than it was two years ago. So there is a frustration with that. We've had all sticks and no carrots for a long time. And they, they transfer that uh, frustration to their reaction to other things that come out in EVE. They're watching EVE. They're waiting to see what's going to come out new. Um, they're expecting something new. And then when it's something else unrelated to their gameplay, that's frustrating. And then there's a second group that I think still kind of buy into the idea that everything on the internet should be free. Uh, and whenever they see something on the internet that's not free, that's frustrating to them. That's a bit of a stretch, I'll admit. Well, there's something to that, actually. It's a, it is, there is a generational thing uh, about ownership and uh, access to things. Uh, I talked to, this is a little side note, but it was the archivist of the AFI American Film Institute in Los Angeles, and we were talking one time, he said, uh, what's interesting about my generation is if it wasn't in your hands, you didn't own it. That was the proof that you owned it. But your generation or generation after you, they don't want to own anything, but they want access to everything. And that's completely different. All right. The, uh, go ahead, Arsia. I was going to say the thing I'm most concerned with expert systems of, uh, in regards to is what's the flavor behind it? How are they going to explain it in, a, in, a, in more perspective? Right. Like, is it some new Concord uh, experimental program of like uh, trying to quickly get soldiers in order to, in case they have another invasion situation, like they're they're test running it on the independent capsuleers. So in case like the Triglavians invade again, it's like maybe quick super soldier program can be can be rolled out. We need there, to get there's more in the article, isn't there? It says it's like developed by Kaldari Mega Corporations or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. You, you're right. You're right. Um, per, Which is kind of the reason for the name, right? It's called an expert system because yeah. it's an AI, right? And and it's yeah. an AI that basically supports your skills. Which Mega Corp was it? Was it KK? Which Mega Corp was it? Yeah, Interstellar. Oh, okay. Pecan. Yeah, they introduced this in kind of uh, with some flourish, right? They they kind of. Uh, talked about it in terms of it existing in the universe as kind of like the way they talked about teams when those came out. It's kind of interesting. They didn't just say, here's a new mechanic that we're trying to test. They kind of put it in the, with the flourish of the environment, with the IP dress on that sort of thing. Um, one last thing on this. I don't, I think we're thinking in terms that might be antiquated and that is new player, old player, veteran. There's, there's just a ton of gray. And I don't even know if these conventions are, uh, still as relevant as they maybe used to be, or, or maybe we just never broke out of that. But I, I kind of feel like 
there are people in the game who haven't necessarily committed to playing just Eve or long-term Eve or whatever. And they're probably aiming at all these friction points, right? From the very first hour to the very first day to the very first week, what keeps people in the game? And I bet this is something to add, uh, take away some of the friction that people run into, which is I've done what I'm supposed to do in the game, but now I don't have any friends and I don't have an idea of what to do. That's a friction point. They don't know where to go after that and they leave the game because they didn't know what to do next. Uh, there might be other friction points of, I kind of did this for a while. I'm not really, you know, I'm not really, uh, I'm kind of done with this. I've conquered this part of the game and I'm not sure I like anything else. Uh, so maybe this adds uh, a little bit of less friction to say, let me try this other thing. Let me try this mining things because my friends say it's kind of fun, but I don't want to commit to a month of training to go in that direction. I think that was brought up be before with uh, Elise and other people, but I really think it's not just new players and, and it's not, um, uh, but it's not, it doesn't it preclude veterans either. I think it's career change people or what's next people. Well, an important okay. thing is what, what Carneros was trying to point out, that to make a game like EVE Online, CCP needs money, right? That means that it, it, it is vital that they keep the, the, the cash flow coming in. But how do you keep making products that your existing player base actually want to pay for? And this brings on the whole gold ammo thing, right? Because it is a fact that it is very difficult to do this on vanity stuff alone, because usually people will only pay for things that they find is relevant and worth and, and, the, and has enough added value. And of course, there's people that love skins and vanity. And, and I'm a big uh, spaceship uh, Barbie fan in general, but I just prefer it on an avatar, right? The, the, the thing is that if you want people to pay, you need to give them something that does something. So that means you have to have the discussion, what is a non-game-breaking and fair call it advantage, right? And with SP injections, we got something that was close, but it completely, in my opinion, broke our ecosystem and our, and, and our game design. Um, so this is, yes, it's a success on the catch-up mechanic, which it was supposed to solve, but it brought a lot of new problems. And this brings me to the whole multi-character uh, usage, right? The fact that we are being forced to scale with more and more accounts if we want to keep up with this in-game balance thing. And the fact that I need to juggle 10 accounts if I want to play a certain way, it's just, it's just not a good game design. I would much rather pay with Plex to get the slots I need to do the things I need to do on the same character. Why can't I do that? Why do I have to have 10 accounts if I want, say, uh, 3,000 market orders or contracts? or industry slots. It's like, these things should be the obvious way to monetize the game, because then I'm paying the same as if I had a second account, I'm just putting it on my main. Okay, the, one question to Satoni, and then uh, Carneros can take off. Uh, Satoni, why do you think, or at least either, or Arcia, why do you think they even put a core pack in here for core skills? Because I think a lot of players don't understand how important the core skills are. And if there's like a pack, they might try it out and see the difference and be like, oh. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine the... It's, so I, I want to say one thing real quick. Um, a lot of... There are a lot of arguments that older players have. And, and like people like us, people like podcasters and, and other people, we have on behalf of like the plight of the new player... 
But it, I just want to remind everyone, once you've started playing Eve, you get into, you get into a routine, you get into a rhythm, um, and you create these little echo chambers of your own. They're not negative. It's not bad, right? But that's, it's just your view of the game. It is very hard to then pluck yourself out of there and try and look at it from a more holistic perspective. So a lot of these, you know, a lot of these arguments for or against it, we're kind of putting a lot of pressure or putting a lot of um, insight into what the new players might want. And I will say a lot of times when you're talking to a new player, asking him, like, if you say, oh, you have to have all this stuff. But if you ask him what he wants, it's going to blow your mind away nine times out of 10. That is not just like, oh, I want to have these core skills so I can do this profession. It's like, I want to do cool shit in space. Like, so it's just, I just want to remind people who have like very passionate, impassioned views about this, um, that this is an effect that happens. And whenever a new, a new thing happens, we always and habitually argue about it over the plight of someone who will never, ever listen to us or never actually uh, hear what we have to say. I think there's a lot. Sorry. I was going to say, I think a lot of newer players will start playing and they'll see like, they'll look at the ship they want to fly. They'll be like, I want to fly a Harbinger, right? Um, And then they'll like look at the requirements for the Harbinger and get like the bare minimum and like no support skills and they can't fit it. And it's like... It's actually, it's a Harbinger, but it's like 20% of a Harbinger because they have no support skills and they have like Cattle Bruisers 1. And then they go out and they're like, it sucks because they don't have support skills. And um, they they usually don't know why. They don't know why they see other people using the same ship to a much greater effect. And I, I think something like that kind of like gets them to try out the core skills might be like a, Oh, I mean, I could obviously just be wrong, but. Right. All right. Uh, Tony, one last chance. Why do you think they have core skills pack? I mean, I think it's just, uh, as like us here in the least said, it's just, uh, show people what they're missing. Right. Do you think that's good? <laughs> like, I don't see a, see a problem with it. Um, Maybe uh, maybe the idea right is uh, you buy this pack and you're way more powerful for seven days, and then you think, "Wow, man, I'm going to be so powerful if I just keep my Omega up for two months and I finally have all of these skills. I'm going to be a badass." Like I don't know. Like, I'm guessing that's what they're going for. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm going to be uh, a Castro pilot like Suetonia. That's right. I'll do what Suetonia does. Uh, Carneros, one last thing about the marketing of this. How do you think that's going? <laughs> that was a conversation for the group not, not oh for the sorry I thought, you were, I thought you were feeding me a, a question to feed you oh, no 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 no, no. alright uh, okay I think uh, I think we can leave let's it talk about let's talk about what EP hop over to the next subject oh okay good so stick around for that good no, yeah. <laughs> oh maybe not maybe you'll ditch out we'll see you let me know just tap me on the shoulder yeah. but we're going to talk about ccp now uh moving on um a couple things one is that hilmar got his two-handed sword so watch that he doesn't cut your head off accidentally in the office uh that's 20 years he's been with the company uh and most of that i believe at the top as ceo so congratulations to him 
there was also uh, something we want to send out to our friends that work at CCP. Uh, we feel for you. You're having earthquakes like constantly, and that can't be. I've been through earthquakes, and once you're traumatized by one, you just always have an adrenaline hit every time one hits. So for them to constantly be hitting is just a, exhausting. So I feel for you guys there in Iceland. Um, the next thing is, of course, their financial report from um, Pearl Abyss came out. And it said, it said pretty much that uh, CCP is, I mean, sorry, the, uh, the EVIP is doing very well. Um, but the big news was that there was no bonus to be had uh, in the sale of, of CCP to uh, Pearl Abyss. And let me just set that up. Pearl Abyss buys CCP, the company that does uh, EVA Online, for an estimated $225 million with two years of possible bonus of $100 million per year. So that's an extra $200 million that are on the table if they meet certain markers. Those markers weren't met, and so the actual sale price of CCP was $225 million. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a very important one that people keep misunderstanding what's actually happened. Um, they are very much focused on the optics uh, and how bad or good this looks uh, from a success criteria from, from CCP. I think it's very important to understand that this is actually a really, really good thing for the EVE player base and for anyone playing games or products that is coming out from Pearl Abyss. We have to... Uh, Remember now, uh, it's actually when you're talking about CCP, it's basically Pearl Abyss. So when Pearl Abyss is suddenly saving 200 million that they don't have to pay to the old shareholders and the old actual owners of CCP, that means it's money that is staying on the budget of the company right now that is making and responsible for EVE Online. So the people that are suffering here is not the player base. The, the people that are suffering here is not even CCP in any form or way. The people that have suffered from the lack of this bonus being paid out is only the, the shareholders from CCP and, of course, the original uh, hedge fund owners and, and, and all of those guys. So the people that lost anything on this thing not being paid out is people like the very old CCP devs, and it's basically people like Hilma and and Farsi and all of those people that have been around have gotten their options and, and, and bonuses in the form of things like shares. These people are not getting any money. And if you think about it, this is actually completely fair because the, when, you, when you roll back and look at the time frame of things, right, they were the people that were supposed to be responsible to make sure that the criterions could be met. Anyone hired after or later will basically benefit from this now because um, I'm sure that uh, most, as most companies do, they, they must have a bonus or, um, solution for their employees. And now that means that all these newer players, which I, which I would estimate to be almost 90% of the developers, are now part of a new bonus um, solution, right? So any success in the future will now be shared among all the developers, right? So for the CCP that is actually working there now and for the player base, this whole bonus failing is a really good thing. It means there's a lot of money to make new games. Hell, if, if CCP can actually convince uh, uh, Pearl Abyss to invest in some new, very expensive product, uh, uh, project, this is actually possible now. So 
I, I would just like to point out to everyone that's been screaming and, and reading on Reddit and whatnot, the failure and the half price thing is a good thing for us. We can now potentially get more spaceships than we could if those money had actually gone to the owners. Good point. Like that original thinking. All right, you guys, do you have any comments on the... I do um, for a living. I, I, I don't know if, how public it is, but I do mergers and acquisitions, essentially. Um, Holy cow, that didn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, I, I just do the the contracts for it, right? I don't actually walk in and be like, oh, I'm buying this company with some DC <laughs> money, dog. No, I, I write the contracts. At least got to buy waffles right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, it's not unusual to have uh, something like this happen where you have incentives that are quite lofty where you know that you're probably not going to meet them um so i mean it, it's it's very easy to to look at reddit and be like oh perlibus this is me sucks they, they couldn't make it oh hillmore's on the way out um that's not actually how it's going to go i imagine at some point two years ago uh they were saying yeah we're these are pretty lofty things <laughs> um i guess you could call them like stretch goals if you want to have like a, a kickstarter type view of it uh, it's incredibly common for these not to be met, uh, to kind of back up Caleb's points. It is kind of nice in a way to see that CCP at some level made the decision instead of trying to make as much money as we can to make more money like this, we are going to do stuff that is not necessarily going to make us a ton of money. Uh, we're going to do stuff like scarcity instead of putting it off for two years after we've hit these, you know, uh, numbers. So it's nice that CCB are willing to make these decisions. You could, of course, you could argue that it was like sheer ineptitude that led to it, but that's clearly not the case. Every time we've talked to CCB Ritari and CCB Psych um, about scarcity and stuff like that, they've said, yeah, if we wanted to make money in the short run, we would never do this, right? right. We figured out the equations on how to make money in the short term but that is going to kill the game long-term. We're doing stuff like this now so that we don't have problems like this in the future. Um, so I don't know. I look at that and it's just kind of normal. Um, I don't take any good takeaways from it. Don't take any bad takeaways from it. Uh, I'm happy that CCP are not afraid to make decisions that will hamper the short-term for future profits or for like sustainability uh, in the long-term. So thumbs up. And an important addition to that is that something that was discussed way back when this sale actually concluded, right? When when we covered these news, Perlibus is very hands off, and you can see this in the actual report. I, I will suggest that anyone that is interested in all this stuff go and watch the episode with Dirk McGurk and and and, and Noisy because they cover almost all of it. And actually, Dirk almost covered this, except uh, when he started talking about it and, the, and and talking about bonuses and stuff like that. Just when he was about to hit the obvious uh, thing, he had to run off and, uh, and, and cover the open palms. So again, this is really, really good. We have an owner that is not uh, micromanaging uh, what CCP does, which is amazing. Uh, almost allows them to, to run at a deficit. But as, as noisy covered, it's, it's not doing bad. We're not, CCP is not doing bad in their, problem, uh, in, in their income uh, and revenue generation. They're actually doing good. I think it's all the way up at what? Did, did you say 54% year on year? It's like, that's a crazy increase in your revenue stream. This is also why Dirk calls this, well, uh, this is not um, a manic velocity thing, but, but he basically calls this a cash cow because it is. 
and especially if you think of what price that they actually now got it for, right? This is this is just doubling the 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 um, the, 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 the Pearl Abyss argument of leaving CCP alone <laughs> even more because they've just doubled the actual value and the and and the return of investment that they're getting month on month. So 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 everything is really looking fine when it comes to that whole story. Uh, there is other things that is uh, brewing, and again, one of the reasons that that we suspect is actually the criterion that was completely not maybe unrealistic, but at, at least a little bit of a stretch, as as Elise points out, is most likely the launch and the rollout of things like Baby Eve and Eve Online servers in China. Echoes. Right? Um, they they really wanted that because if they had had that, and again, uh, Elise knows how contracts like this is is calculated that market right is huge so the potential increase in revenue if you could have actually added that to the deal that would have made it a double tripling of the potential cash cow return of investment month on month right so so it is a completely sane contract even though it is one of those i don't think you can do this what did uh, mcleod say like if you can lick your elbow you'll get this bonus money <laughs> it was all right. Um, at least that, that is so amazing. You do that work, such complicated uh, stuff, but worthy of your intelligence. So doesn't surprise me. I wouldn't go that far. All right. I'll take that. <laughs> just kidding. At least um, a late businessman. <laughs> um, one other thing, if you wanted to catch that episode, that is, uh, that is Friday's episode, February 26th with Noisy Gamer. And Dirk McGurk, it's called Noisy and Dirk Talk CCP Sale. So we go into it uh, in a deep way there. All right, let's uh, move over to war news and in-game conflicts. What's going on in... Let's actually start with uh, the North, Suetonia. Can you catch us up on what's happened there? Oh, sure. So uh, Toilet Paper, who are the French alliances, or some of their allies, I think Quote Alliance is also with them. They've deployed to Embassy Pureblind. Uh, they're in KLY right now, I believe. And they're actually taking a solve in Pureblind. There's a uh, constellation that used to belong to uh, X Empire, which is mostly a corporation made up by the corp called X Files, which is a, a group that used to be in Test and then they used to be in. Uh, um, no value, I think. And they've been fighting Bandalogs. They've already taken three of the iHubs in the system. He took those three, just three uh, iHubs today. So that's pretty big, right? So Toilet Paper, like last week it was announced that Toilet Paper, who were living in Tribute, made a deal with Fraternity to seed territory. Um, and so it looks like Toilet Paper aren't going very far. They just moved to the NPC region right next door and are taking more and more of it. So that's pretty cool. So the, the stuff... That's going on in the north it is still going on are toilet paper and fraternities still like shooting one another uh i don't know i assume they're just neutral because i've seen uh toilet paper kill random fraternity people they, but they might have like a deal in place for like evacuating or something so a lot of their structures are still there so i assume that they they have them there so they can like jump freighter stuff out and the, the other north news i guess is uh volta has ended their deployment down south uh Moved back up north again because uh, you know Fire didn't really want to fight us. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure Fire Coalition is very happy about that. News. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, we're just uh, getting we're just manhandled by you guys, and then Initiative would show up, uh, and we're just like a double drubbing. So 
Oh, we, we had our last timer actually on Friday. They uh, put an Astra house that we had in hole on their Keepstar grid. We formed uh, like an EOS doctrine, uh, which is like a new doctrine we were trying out. And we had 102 people in fleet. A fire coalition, they had 310 people. They had a full fleet and like a spillover fleet, an overflow fleet. And they stood down with three to one odds on their Keepstar grid. I can't believe it. So we're glad to glad to be gone because they were just time zone tanking us. They changed all of their like timers, like twelve like to uh, fourteen hundred Eve time from eighteen hundreds. Well, if you think about it, their strategy worked. They didn't give you that fight, and there you go. Yeah, but they also moved their supers out of Delft to, to protect their R sixty fours. So that's right. I, I did they actually move them because they were? Ha- I thought they were having a hard time moving them because. Siberian squad switched sides and that might have interrupted the safe passage of supers to go back east. Well, they moved a lot of uh, regular caps at least. Uh, we saw about 17, 18 supers get moved. We're like keeping track of them, but I'm not sure like how many of those like came mm-hmm. from like where their crabbing space is. You know, uh, they normally crab in Innsmother and that kind of area. Uh, yeah. like they might have come from there. We were just like counting like supers that like, unique supers that like signed onto the Keepstar, and we counted about 18, 19. Oh, yeah. So which is probably, probably a little small for like what Fire has. I assume they have like 100 or so. But, well, know, maybe they're in M2. <laughs> maybe they're still stuck in M2. Well, anyway, I good mean, job. Good job, Volta. It, uh, it really did, like the, the Volta deployment really did cause a lot of shakes, right? But yeah. combined with initiative, just pillaging catch it created so much positive momentum for the imperium uh, i know people even us were like theorizing did, did the imperium pay volta to do this is this a contract um i, I think it was just kind of good luck and good fortune um but man it, it was i don't want to say devastating because that that makes it seem too too strong but it was absolutely significant to have uh, volta in the south to have someone that like just more territory for the initiative to to drop their torches on uh, as they're going through the back lines of, of Pappy. Because we were talking about, especially for 2021, the, the war in the South, Pappy versus the Imperium, really did shift into having multiple fronts, where before it was basically just all Delve, all Imperium stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but now it's definitely broken up into to two parts. It's like Delve everywhere else. <laughs> for for Pappy, they are really happy about what they're doing in Delve. Everywhere else, not so much. Uh, it's not as as good for them as it has been. But uh, if we want to just skip ahead to Delve a little bit, uh, Pappy have now conquered all but one constellation uh, in Delve. So if you're in the Imperium, you look at the map, you have one constellation to your name. Effectively, that doesn't change all that much um, because after M2, where you know Helm's Deep was kind of abandoned uh, in favor of the M2 Hell Camp, um, that area wasn't being used all that much. I know some people in Karma Fleet were still using those um, uh, constellations up there, like the T-Mofa constellation and stuff like that. Uh, they were being used definitely by the Imperium, uh, but removing them isn't going to be something that was really unexpected. Uh, these are just like straightforward moves that you'd like to see from Pappy tightening the noose around the around Delve. So it just makes a lot of sense. They were tough nuts to crack. So props to the uh, Imperium for, or props to Pappy for actually cracking them. Um, they were hard fought as well. It's not just like the Imperium let these go for free. They showed up to the timers. They made them painful. Uh, they started counterintosis stuff. 
um, like the constellation near Aquarius. I think the Imperium started taking back a little bit of stuff there. So they actually made some trade-offs. Um, they haven't reset. Imperium rather have not reset any of the, the so-called doomsday iHubs. Right? I think the one that most people are looking at with anticipation is in M2 itself. So the M2 iHub is still ticking. Uh, as, as that ticks to solve three, that will allow Pappy to install a jammer into that system, which means uh, you know rescuing some of the capitals that are still stuck at the hell camp becomes a little bit easier for you. Maybe, at least that's the, the Pappy strategy so far, has been to uh, utilize jammers. I'm still of the opinion that of the of the capitals that are left, right? So the bottom supers and pens uh, are largely free from the uh, M2 breakout attempt, which cost um, Pappy about 400 dreads. I think 421 dreads died uh, to free all the stuff out there. There are still a bunch of supers stuck at the top of that keep star. The problem being is that you have no idea the state of those capitals. Actually, you do have an idea of the state of the capitals. It's really weird, right? Because of the glitches uh, and the server performance when you were trying to jump in everything at that spot, uh, the ghosting titans. So you're talking about, I don't know, Satoni made a, a really comprehensive list, but like a hundred of them, some of them have their modules offline. Some of them have no armor. Some of them have half structure. You log in, you die to one or two doomsdays. You, you don't even get to have that super fight. So in order to extract from there, I think that it's going to be the only way that you can actually do it um, in a meaningful way is to get rid of that keep star, right? You can't let the Imperium just sit in that keep star uh, as you're like a derelict super and start logging in because they'll just die. Um, and before you had like a little bit of advantage, are they going to log in the top ones or the bottom ones? So they had to like kind of gauge where that's going to be. Now you know exactly the supers, where they are, where they're located, what state they're in, uh, and stuff like that. So uh, I think all eyes are going to be on that coming up. Um, kind of other important news in Quirius, the GOP Keepstar um, belonging to Siberian squads was reinforced uh, into the... So the shield timer was taken down. Um, there's no iHub in that system for either person, or I think it's like iHub one now, the iHub belonging to the Imperium did go down, but not, neither side can jam it. I thought Brave had a, had one that was up for a few days. Yeah, it's up, it's up, but it's not, it's not jammable yet. Or right. It's in the stage where neither side can jam it. Um, and this was kind of interesting in that this was the first Keepstar that was attacked really without having a jammer in place. Uh, and this is something that we talked about last week of, I think if Pappy want to keep up their positive momentum, they're going to have to start doing moves like this. Um, so they shot it, Imperium showed up to defend it. Uh, Pappy, it's it's a little bit far away there. I think there was some confusion, not confusion, but I think there was um, something happened. Something fell through the cracks and that Keepstar didn't get reinforced to uh, another timer. So the Siberian squad still do have uh, a Keepstar that they can live in. I still think Siberian squads are, are in a, a weird position here. Um, they, they, I think they should be being used more like how the initiative is, is doing in their deployment rather than sitting in Quirius. And I think it's just a matter of time before they have to relocate somewhere else. Uh, we did see... Probably uh, what Hanzo wants to do there, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, if I were Hanzo, I'd want to just do what you guys did, right? I, I want to play the Volta card move over to just mess with Fire Coalition. They're in my time zone. 
Um, I'm a good FC. I know how to, to work my way around the big fleets. I could create a distraction over there, have a lot of fun, not have to deal with blues, not have to deal with anything, just, just have fun. And if I get stuck, initiative might be able there to, to back me up on timers. I, that's what I would want to do if I was Siberian spreads. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the the idea is in Quirius. So that that's a developing thing. It's good, um, good time zone comment. You're right. Yeah, uh, I, I guess it depends on like uh, how much of like the sort of uh, uh, the ties that they still have with Legacy when they left, right? Because they're still uh, they're still uh, amicably giving away. I think the systems that they have in Tenerifis to Legacy. Some ways they could just, you know, use them to stage or just like gift them to the initiative or something, which they haven't done. So like maybe shooting fire is maybe something that like they don't want to do for that reason. Yeah, maybe they're just being very diplomatic and, and nice. But I'm sure there's a time frame that they're going to uh, to want to do things. But that actually is a really good point, right? The Siberian squads are being very diplomatic about this. It's not just like um, a backstab out of nowhere type thing. Um, I'm sure there are some diplomatic talks that we're not privy to, uh, that have been happening. But it Other was, news? It was, sorry, it was something of a quick change though, wasn't it? Because I've heard that some of the players in Siberian squad, maybe just Anzac corporation, just the changes happened too quickly and some of them ended up breaking off recently. Yeah, that was... So the, the intel that we had in Volta, uh, we had, we have some like Russian friends who had spies in them. They're saying that they were going to move to... The, the plan, I think, was for them to move to 5ZX in Pure Blind and work with Bandalogs and, you know, take Declan back and, you know, reform the old coalition, kind of, back when they were uh, uh, up there, right? And then I think that that, that changed. Uh, according to the Matani on the Meta show, uh, apparently Hanzo was mad because Vinny tr tried to poach some of his guys or something. I, I don't know how much of that is true. Because, I mean, I don't know, so maybe they just thought that Quirius would probably be the kind of content that they like, and they already have stuff kind of in the area, right? It's not really hard to to switch sides uh, when your stuff is like one jump away. Yeah. yeah. I will say it does feel very awkward. Like, we talked about two other possibilities for them that make way more sense, at least for me. Uh, obviously, I have the luxury of just sitting here not having to do anything, I just sit here and look at Dalai and be like, oh, why don't they move here, idiot? <laughs> um, it just feels awkward for me that they're in Quirius. I, I don't yeah. know. So I, I don't think this is going to be a permanent thing. I think this time in um, April or so that we're, we're going to talk about Siberian squads doing something else and being very effective, right? You have Hanzo, who is a very accomplished, very capable FC. Uh, he can make moves. He can make waves. What, what's happened, though, with Anzac Corporation? That's a big corporation, uh, mostly Australian time zone guys. They seem to be in something of a split because a lot of them went to uh, the Van Diemen's Demise Corporation and CDOT recently. I think um, 10, 20 players, 10, 20 supers or caps right around there. That's a good, that's a good amount, I would think. So what, what happened with Anzac? I mean, I'm just going to be guessing here, but uh, I, I've dealt with these types of uh, groups quite a lot, right? Uh, in a certain time zone, there's only so much you can do. Uh, and a lot of the like more RU time zone, the Central European time zone, those groups sometimes lump together with Australians as well. 
um, because their time zones are a little bit closer than it is for something like Australia and uh, Europeans or Western Europeans and Americans. So a lot of these uh, type of groups, they just have a bunch of Russian or a bunch of Australians with them. Um, and they're a tight knit community, right? There's only a few Australian corps in EVE and they kind of tend to stick together over time. Um, so I'd imagine the Anzac guys, they're friends with VDD, who are, as you mentioned, the Australian Corp, um, or primarily Australian Corp in, um, in NC dot. So I'm sure they're talking to each other. There's a lot of overlap there. There's a lot of history there. They were blue before just in different groups. And so they're, they just want to get right. back to it. Right. They, they're, they're friends. They play with each other. I said that very awkwardly, but they, they play EVE Online together for, you know, Friends decades. with EVE benefits. Yeah, they, well, no, let's not go down <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I'd imagine that they're just like, yeah, we don't want to be en enemies with you. We want to like fly together anyways. Ducks fly together. Uh, okay. So Anzac going, going hanging out. A lot of people were making a lot of herf and blurf about this. They're like, oh, Sarpina squads are double defecting. The, if you're in the Imperium, double defecting. When, when Siberian squads moved to your side, you were really excited about Hanzo because he is he, he has carried coalitions almost by himself before, right? Uh, you're talking about uh, Darkness and, and that, that group up there. Hanzo's carried them for, for periods on end. So he's the big jewel, right? You don't care about these random Australians. <laughs> like, they can come and go as, as they please. That's not, that's not your, your really concern. It's not the, the people. You've got a ton of people that you can throw in these suites if you wanted to. It's the, it's the doers. It's the content creators. Uh, it's the enablers. It's, it's stuff like that. So you, you still have those pieces. So you're looking at this like, okay, cool. Well, we still got hands up. All is well. Right, that was the jewel. Okay. So Siberian Squad still valuable to the Imperium, uh, even though a few, a few Anzac guys took off. And Anzac itself is still in Siberian Squad, or did they, did they move into Goon proper? But they're still in Siberian squads. I think uh, it was just like some people leaving the corporation or the corporation leaving the Alliance. So they're still in the Alliance and they're still getting kills on Z-Kill on Horde. So, hmm. uh, Okay, there is um, listening to... At least do you have any, anything else that you wanted to say on... Um, oh, I just say for now, it looks like Delve has slowed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, we have one comedy kill mail, which I think people will get a kick out of. Um, there was a, an Imperium Sodio in um, M2, M2, of all places, yeah. uh, that was killed, not yesterday, but the day before. And it was building two Nixes. I don't know why. I don't know why, they, but whatever. They were doing it. And um, when Pappy killed it, one of the Nixes popped out. <laughs> so some, some guy just went in there, launched it, boarded it. He's got a... It has no fuel in it, obviously, because it's just building. So... Just one of those happy things that happens sometimes, you know. Uh, Pappy had lost a thing of Moose Army Sodio in Esoteria that popped out a lot of stuff, um, and now they, they get they get a Nix. So yeah, somebody cool. joked that SRP. <laughs> yeah, there you go. SRP becomes a little bit easier for for one Nix pilot. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, there is a lot of stuff coming up. I think in the next month, you're going to see a real slow at first, but an acceleration of uh, big structures dying or being attacked. Whether they die or not depends on the uh, participation 
And also Helm's Deep is just a target rich environment. It's their industrial base. There's a ton of stuff there. So Helm's Deep saga may be over. It kind of played out the way it did in the uh, Lord of the Rings movie too, if you think about it. But the area itself has a lot of work to be done on the Pappy side of things. There's a ton of industrial, it was an industrial base back there, which which I think is really cool. I love the idea of shipyards and uh, industrial bases and all that kind of gameplay and how that is very strategic. Uh, so um, I'm sure a lot of it was um, salvaged or the important stuff was moved out. They had plenty of time to do that as, uh, as Helm's Deep became unimportant to them. Uh, so it may not hurt them as much as it would have, but there, there are definitely a lot of structures that need to be gone through there. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff in asset safety. And I think those... I'm not sure where those assets safety to. Ermalin. I, I think they're all in Ermalin. Yeah, there's one yeah. constellation that goes uh, a weird place in Iridia that's not Ermalin. It goes to Naka or something. But it's Gehi, isn't it? Or is that curious? I don't know. E-E-H-I, the like system yeah, of Darwinism Gehi. camps all the time. Gehi, yeah, that was a popular system. Uh, least, I, can I ask a question every about asset that? safety system is popular, right? Elise, why are you not shutting these people down when they keep using uh, the Helm's Deep narrative? The good guys are the ones on the inside. I don't know if you guys know this. It's like, have you completely missed that point? It's really bad from a Pappy Spin to use that term. The heroes are being attacked. <laughs> uh, the twist is there are no heroes. Both sides are evil. Maybe that's, maybe off, that's in uh, used as intended. <laughs> Gandalf went and like took the eagles and took everyone to M2. You know, they're just messing up with that whole Lord of the Rings arc. You know, some, some he, he should have just taken the ring and put it on one of the eagles and just flown it in there. And then the fucking movie would have been 30 minutes done. I've just heard, I've just heard uh, a million pappy voices saying, for orcs? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see a lot of big no block people as orcs on all sides. All right. No. It's the super orcs, right? Confirmed. It's not the normal orcs. It's the super ones. It's the specially bred ones. Okay, right? Yeah, the bulls. Especially bred the crab. The ones with Billy's palm print on their faces. Oh my God, Antonio, you did that. Oh man, is he? Like, I don't know what the like references are. I hope I hope some good memes come out of this. No, actually, um, no people aren't orcs. Orcs can do more than anchor. Well, but Suetonia is oh. very close, right? Because Saruman is a traitor. <laughs> oh, it's just, this totally gets deeper. Huh. Okay, uh, you heard it all here. This is all matching up with the prophecy from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I do want to make one thing clear about Delve. Uh, Matterall does make a good point about there's a lot of infrastructure in these uh, former Helm's Deep systems. Uh, a lot of ECs, a lot of citadels. That's actually still the case around a lot of Dell, right? If you fly through Delbridge, like look at the map, it's going to have IHOB ownership belonging to Pappy in every constellation except for the one with you constellation. But if you fly around, there are structures, big structures, Fortizars, Keepstars, Sodios, Asbels that are all over the place. A Pappy still, you know, they're going through meticulously killing these things. There are still a ton to go through. Um, so you might see fighting die down a little bit because a lot of the fights in the last two, three weeks, especially were over these eye hubs. Right. And, and those things are kind of down and dirty fights where a lot of pieces are moving around. A lot of mistakes can be made, um, on both sides. I'm not, I'm not saying one side made more mistakes than others, but a lot of destruction does happen in terms of those fights. 
uh, if things slow down in terms of kills, it's going to be a lot of, you know, hey, we have these areas. Let's take the big things out here. Let's take the Sodios out. Uh, let's take the Fortizars out. Uh, and then, you know, get to the, to the smaller things. I think there's well, only then. one constellation in Delve that is completely devoid of any single um, Imperium structure. Uh, and that's the one Smep constellation. Uh, I think there's not a single Imperium structure there, but everywhere, every other system has um, like a large structure in it. Yeah, I had a I had a bit of a chat with Willie, and we were doing a little bit of a state of the war up until now. And uh, I also had the question on on INN where someone actually asked about structures in in Imperium space. And well, it, uh, I think Willie said that he, he believes that they've almost grinded through something in the realm of a third of what was there. And again, originally the tally when we were talking about this, of course, it's difficult to get perfect numbers unless you actually have the the pull stats from uh, from from uh, the imperium uh, themselves um it was about 1600 in total i think structures all in all uh it was 50 keep stars at the beginning of the war and a few was launched and then they lost something around five-ish or something like that so right now they should be back down to 50-ish that's pretty much the number and i said i think we talked about this last uh show that my my guess is that they will focus more on bigger stuff. I think you almost said that. Um, I'm expecting to see anywhere between uh, five and fifteen keep stars potentially dying over the next thirty days. Right? Because all the timers are coming out now. Uh, this is where they are focusing on that instead of all the small stuff. So it's going to be extra large uh, in the next thirty days. Yeah, that's probably a pretty apt prediction. That that we're going to see, especially as these uh, these systems go up to, if they can go up to a big F, right? Uh, if they can go up to, um, I hope, strategic level three, uh, where you can put in the jammer, because we, we do know that that's Pappy's preferred uh, version of fighting. But it is going to be, I think, a little bit awkward. That first fight, that first keep star fight, or that first keep star kill after M2, uh, I wonder if there's going to be any, like, quivering or shaking the boots or if it's just going to be business as usual. Um, it's so going to be a, like uh, two month old players don't come in and shoot the Santa jammer. I think they'll be fine, right? <laughs> yeah. But there's also the whole uh, um, uh, Monty Hall <laughs> thing, right? Are you going to, uh, are you going to attack the right keep star? One of the ones that are not potentially got harassment fleets ready or even some leftover dreads or there could even be titans actually in in some of them i think i think there is a bit of a, a gamble it feels like uh, it feels like uh, opening the doors in uh, in the monty hall i think no the goat's not there well it, it's going to start off with a big bang because m2 is coming up and so that's going to be a very big uh you know hold your breath moment to see what happens uh, one other thing the uh, imperium's fireside chat there's some interesting information there uh, one of them one of the takeaways was uh, that there is no situation in which the Imperium will leave Delve. Like, they're going to fight to the very end here. They'll, they'll all... Uh, what, was, what was the joke, Caleb? But they, no, it's a, it's a one-liner, right? Uh, seriously, Imperium is, is, is discovering the F2 button, right? No, no not that they, one. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. We're talking about fight to the end, fight to the death. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we we discussed that with really as well, right? Everyone has extracted the stuff that that they wanted to get out. Have pretty much done so. I think Boat said this almost like a joke, like two months into the war or something. I've extracted all my stuff already, right? Um, <laughs> basically, a little bit of a heads up to everyone: if you want stuff to be saved and have a nest egg on the other side of this war, better start thinking about getting it out but already that's... because you might not have a chance. And and as as really said. Right, really said. Well, uh, they're being dumb for not getting their stuff out now. It's like, well, haven't you like made it impossible for them to actually get their stuff there's no out? No escape now? route. There's no, there's no way out. This, this is the, well, this option is long gone. This is no longer on the table. So, so what's left in in Dell is pretty much uh, supposed to be wasted. It, but, but we, it, it's not just something about... that they're saying. It's something that is a fact. You, Getting it out is going to be difficult, so might as well fucking burn it. Yeah, it was a there was a joke of like uh, we're gonna we're gonna fight to the end, and that you're gonna lose all your stuff, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Like yeah, which is which is again a, a classic hedging uh, from from the Imperium because it's true, right? It's it's not even wrong. It 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 just sounds better than the reality of i'm fucking locked in here i can't get my shit out now so i might as well fucking <laughs> slam it at the at the enemy right well, but, i think again, safety can get you out can it they, yeah they, they just need they just need to spin the narrative that you know uh, they're not trapped you're trapped it trapped in delve with them right exactly <laughs> it, it it's uh it's the roshart thing it's uh they're trapped in here with us which is not well it, it's, it's not all wrong right because there is a potentially a lot of hardware in there as i think elise and i talked about in one of the other shows this if they don't want to get it out because it is expensive liquid wise to get all of that stuff out if you're going to do that with asset safety it's 15 percent or something like that every single piece of asset and the higher the nominal universal value of that goes up the more expensive it's going to get so this is back to the mer numbers as these things get more expensive because the MER numbers are, are kind of going up. Oh, it's we'll going to get about... more and more expensive to extract stuff, right? Yeah, we'll talk well, about MER in just a second. It's too. kind of like um, people talking about how the, the Imperium is down to one constellation in Delve. But is anybody in Faction War, I can tell you, taking all the space doesn't actually end a war, right? It, they just go on forever and ever. Yeah, that's okay, the planting, planting a flag, right? We covered that. Planting a flag and, and flipping IHOPs and TCUs does not really mean you control space anymore. Uh, we are living in a, in a post-structure universe, right? So you, you do have to grind these things down. Of course, you don't have to do all of them. But something like getting at least the majority of the Keepstars, that's going to be vital. Otherwise, you're basically looking at a potential guerrilla war where every asset that was left in Delve is still able to actually harass you forever. Not a, not a good home. It's very much a yeah, bad invasion. Yeah. The second the second thing coming out of the Fireside Chat that was uh, interesting was a, a, a third cultural revolution, which was a big deal in 2014 for the Imperium. Arcia, you might like this one, I think. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but at least you want to tell us what that was if you've heard it. If you haven't, I'll talk. Oh, no, you, you can do this one. I think uh, <laughs> you, can do, you can do it better. Well, they said find your F2 button uh, is the new... Uh, theme that they're going with, they're going to be reminded of it over and over again. And Caleb, you can help me out with this. What, what is well, it's a very old team? meme, right? Um, of course, we always talk about F1 monkeys and, and, and people just uh, join fleets and then only 
use one button and the whole f2 is then oh i've expanded to do more things and and, and being a little bit more capable it's very much back to the very old school days when we started insisting on our fellow players actually uh, upgrade to two screens right so this is very similar but but the, the the one liner of this is really the cultural revolution is that the imperium is now starting to actually train then their, their members in using f2 even though Happy would really prefer if they used all F4. Oh, all F4 just activates your fourth mid slot, Caleb. Is it Alt F4? That's... Yeah, that, that, that's the hotkey for your oh. uh, fourth mid slot, mate. Oh, oh, oh. Alt F4 quits the client, right? Well, that's, right, that's, that's like it. a Windows hotkey, but that's not how it works in here. All F4 is your fourth mid slot on the default keybinds. <laughs> well, okay. yeah. is it mapped um, to Alt? I, I don't know. All plus F4 is the fourth mid slot, man. I'm telling you, it doesn't close the yeah. client. You can test it. Tony is right, yeah. It, it's a Windows hotkey Alt F4 that I fell for in StarCraft when I was like 10. All right. But that's not how it works in you. Yeah, and, 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 and basically to, to someone the age of Elise, it's Alt H. Well, uh, oh, trust Elise. in Suetonia. Sorry, what was that? I said trust in Suetonia. They have like an encyclopedic mind. Trust the Sudi Puffs. No, no, it's just, it's just because, <laughs> just because uh, I've seen people say that and, and they're wrong. It doesn't work. I love clearing that up. I love clearing things up. Uh, let's clear up another thing, Caleb. This will be the last thing that we'll take off today. MER. Yeah, I, I have a little that. bit of an errata. Basically, uh, the meta show was um, going a little bit um, angry on the MER numbers. And this is really mostly a problem with the MER that, I have another not... combat thing to talk about before the MER. Oh, all right. Sorry. Let's oh, sorry. do that uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. So um, I wanted to give props for to my enemies, the Amar militia, because they they got a couple wins over the week. Um, most notably, uh, they well first they flipped Vinemi, uh, but most notably they flipped Huola, which had been held by Minmatar for almost three years, um, and they took out one of the 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 smile and wave structures in the system. So Huola falling is pretty decent news because it hasn't happened for like three years. So that's, that's just something I wanted to quickly get out of the way. Wild. You're going to be streaming. When are you streaming next? Um, if I feel good, I'll stream tonight. All right. We'll be watching. Huola is kind of a legendary system. Anybody in faction war for a while uh, would remember the burn Huola campaigns from five six years ago uh it, it is it is one of the legendary systems in the war zone and it flipped for the first time in three years oh, it's kind of like how um Bleaklands, is it yeah it's in the bleak lens um and in december satogus which is one that the amar held for about three years flipped but satogus lost a lot of its staying power when raravas felt at the triggs because it became a lot less uh uh, desirable to live in Satogus when Raravas fell. So Hulda and Satogus both falling in the last couple of months. Kind of an end, end to an era for both the systems. If I'm not mistaken, Hula also is close to Amar because Bleaklands uh, is Yeah, to Hula Amar. is like 10 jumps from Amar. Yeah, so it's a nice transit system from uh, for markets. Actually, I think even from, yeah, even from Providence to Amar, it's, uh, it, it could be a, considered a pathway or Rens to Amar. Anyway. Uh, thanks very much for that update. 
Uh, okay, our force ghost uh, Caleb is back with his blue. Uh, well, this is something that was almost mentioned yeah. a little bit, I think, by um, Suetonia earlier when we when we were talking about um, blue loot and uh, and uh, and red loot, right? Um, the, the, there's a little bit of a problem, and it and it caused um, the the meta show to spin in a very aggressive way on analyzing the MER, which is basically making conclusion that's not completely correct. Um, the most important one of these is the ISK uh, and the ISK faucet, right? They're basically claiming that that we've got an, a, a massive um, ISK faucet uh, crunch, and this is this is just not really the case. When you start looking at the numbers, and again, you have to look at so many things. It's uh, sometimes it, it's it's frustrating because first of all, the MER is a script in R that was designed by CCP Quant way back, and he did it in his Google time, so not even as his main job, right? So, so this script is no longer really maintained uh, in depth, and, the, and all the, the, the things that have been pointed out for almost five years now that is wrong with it has not been, been resolved or fixed, right? So, so it's very small details that are, that, that are tweaked to not make it completely great. But with the ESS, what we got was that now you saw these uh, actual bounties come off a cliff, right? But that's not really the case. When you start looking at, so what is happening with the bounty payouts, which are the direct bounties that you get pretty much like you did before, um, they have, of course, come off a cliff. It's like down to what, 20% or 25% of what it used to be. Um, I gave um, McLeod, um, the, the, the Excel spreadsheet version uh, where you can actually see that it pretty much gets down to like a third and then half and it's like almost non-existent now, right, compared to the olden days and the fat years. But the point is that all that other ISK is now converted into tokens. Um, so you have to go to a completely different page to actually see where those payouts are actually shown. And then you don't actually see any coverage on the MER of the locked behind the key bank yet, right? So, so you have all these ISK faucets coming in in the new way and the new design with the ESS. So you have to put them together and add all these numbers up yourself. Um, and you can see uh, this the drop that you get in December when the ESS actually comes in, right? Um, it had been uh, falling already. So again, um, the 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 drop off is looks like it's all about the war. Because if you look at the timing, it, it kind of looks pretty steady um, with the blackout drop, of course, being noticeable in August, September 19. Um, then um, it, it recuperates. And then through the entirety of the war, it's pretty much been high, right? And this is why we've been talking about things like the OASA money printing and all those memes, right? Um, but when it then drops off from the result of the ESS, it was like, oh my God, the sky is falling. There's no money and stagflation and, and, and all this stuff. It's like, well, you have to go to some of the other pages and then you will see that the actual payouts on the, the ESS is actually rising and you already see it there. It's going from 22 to 28, right? So it's actually going up quite nicely. Uh, so then we do not have a reduction in ratting activity. We have an increase in ratting activity and the, the ISK being paid out has been reduced a little bit, I'd say maybe by between 10 and 30%, depending on how much is the natural activity shift. And some of it is actually the stuff that's locked in the bonus room, right? 
Uh, I still actually don't know how we're going to get that paid out yet, but I'm hoping that we will be told soon. Um, how, how do how do we open the the big vault CCP? Please? Did you just call it the bonus room? Yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a risk. I hope I hope it's not open the same way hey, the hey, old bonus hey. room. It's, it, it, it's the best and oldest <laughs> Eve meme. I I tried to use the I had 17 million. Can I help blocks earlier? And it didn't work. Um, no you can access remember. the the two billion esque in the bank if you. Uh, make a good good cow noise right now, Caleb. <laughs> Mew? And, Mew? And, and get get your wife on the uh, on comms and speak to her for two hours. Oh, you know, you just You're off the rails. I don't think that's a good idea. Show. Anyways, right. the MER is 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 not really maintained properly. That's my point. And I think CCP should really come out and make a decision. Either figure out who can actually uh, make this work and fix all the errors and make it more uh, usable so you don't have to have some sort of Suetonia uh, uh, fitting wizardry skill level to read the MER because that's just not useful for anyone. The fact that there's like maybe I'd, I'd say maybe 10 people that can actually like do the MER wizardry I think it's a little bit of, of a pointer that this thing needs to get either fixed or removed, right? Um, we've talked about the fact that it's now being used as, a, as an OPSEC strategic tool to show ship movements instead of actually showing balance of trades. Like, this is a joke that we've been trying to get fixed since day one, because every time we pointed it out to CCP Corn, he said, I'm trying to figure out how to do it, and then it just got postponed again and, and shelled, right? So, the, and it's the same with the with the money supply. Um, it, it's basically showing a very nice and steady uh, development. And it's actually going up a little bit. Um, so there's there's no drama there. The other one is the mineral um, price index. What I I'm pretty sure it's showing is first of all it's it's not really showing some catastrophic increase in price um, because if you look at the fat years, we've pretty much had a crashing mineral price index all day every day right it's basically been coming down 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 to next to nothing where you started doing insurance scams of carriers in uh, in dell like so, so 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 the fact that it's recuperating back uh, up to what is about 200 maybe a little bit more than 200 percent um which basically means that it's almost going back to the old days of pricing in the middle of a war um makes perfect sense and and i'm sure Elise can can, can sign off on this and, and, and agree that in the olden days, mineral price indexes rising uh, during and after a war was like the way that a lot of us made money. <laughs> that was that was literally what we did. We we heard the the, the 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 drums in the deep to stay on the Lord of the Rings thing, and we just bought all the mechs that we could get our hands on, right? Um, so so it's not as catastrophic as you might think, right? It's just in, in the 230 uh, to, to the index. So it's actually getting back into health. I won't. I, I don't want to see this uh, continue like this ballistic. That's not healthy. But I'm not. I don't think it's going to. Uh, what this seems to show, if I'm correct, is that it's the mid-range and the low-range stockpile holders that have now run out. The ones that are usually, if I mine it, it's free, and if I build it, it's free. It's like. That's not really how it works, but okay, guys. Um, so the remaining money is pretty much in the hands of big industrialists and in investors' hands. And of course, this is just a natural uh, development. So no, there's there's no catastrophe in minerals either. If this continues at that speed for another month, yes, we might start talking about a little bit of a catastrophe. 
but we are most likely going to get the raw core and orca announcement tomorrow and maybe a little bit of a of a leak or tease on what the carrot might actually be because even though people keep saying that caleb you're being naive because there is no carrot like well the carrot is in the original dev block go back and read it so it is coming it's just maybe it took a little bit longer to especially because if they also want to do things like fix asteroids asteroid code is very very old guys like crazy scary old up until a few years ago no one actually knew exactly where the respawn code was it was basically found uh and and i was told about it when we were in iceland well, look what so, i found in this box no, no but they, many have had been looking for it but no one had been able to actually figure out exactly where it was um because it's so ancient and then one of the devs i can't remember i think it was either actually fuzzy or larrikin that actually found out so oh we have found it now <laughs> so now we can actually fix it so i'm just saying the the meta show drama was a little bit overboard and it was wrong but it's because the mer really needs to either update or go away yeah mer is uh, it was always a little bit uh, off in what it represented but it, it, with some of the main changes that they've done the mer is hard to interpret now in any meaningful way despite uh, i mean except for a few things here and there what do you think the uh, the orca and oracle changes are going to be? Do you think they're going to try and get rid of like the AFK drone aspects of it, but maybe give some kind of carrots to like using mining barges and like more active mining styles? I hope, I dream, and I hope that they bring back it, the actual only a boost. Right, I want it to land in a way where if you have a fleet of ten or more, you're actually getting more uh, from orcas. And, and, and from raw calls than you did in the past. That's where I want them to land. But I want them to be near, completely incapable of mining solar. It is not a mining ship. I, I don't understand how this happened or who decided that it should be a solar mining ship because it's basically an FC ship, right? It, it, it's what you do. That's the boss. He's in the big ship. That's where you uh, got the, the spare ships and all that stuff. And it should only be boosting for yield and defense. And then I always dreamed that the two platforms would almost like be counter to each other. So one is better at defense than the other and then worse at yield. So, so you get this uh, chiasm where it is like a cross and almost like a negative feedback. So if you want the perfect fleet, you need one of each. But Rockwell is the defense one that lives in null and Orca lives in high sec. But if you can, you should do it pretty much use both right and i hope ccp is landing them somewhere like that i i know that we talked about this with Ratati, and i think i think many actually agree on this because i want to go out in like actual group mining should be king not this solo fucking for rockle alts it's like it's horrible i i just think it's toxic it, it destroyed everything in the game for me wow that's such a that's such a big topic we'll take it on another day uh, all right, we've reached the end of the show. Uh, did you guys have any shout-outs, announcements, or last comments you want to have? There? Yeah, um, tomorrow there should be an, an announcement for the annual Capsuleer Writing Contest, which is a contest that happens every year in the RP community, and it's open to anybody who wants to enter. You basically um, write a story written by your character from an in-world perspective and 
they usually have three or four categories, which I'm sure Lunarisa Aspensar, who runs the contest every year, will announce tomorrow. And there's billions and billions of ISCA prizes, uh, which are usually decided after the mid middle of May. So that's something to keep an eye out for if you're looking, if you if you enjoy writing and want to potentially win some ISC. Nice. Anybody else want to say hi to mom or anything? I have one. Um, the the TIS has uh, ha, ha, is officially moving its offices uh, to the TTC in perimeter, and I'm just going to say, watch this space. Oh my God! Our CFO uh, there and mastermind Caleb is is uh, plotting a new uh, course. Still new stuff. For, yeah, for TIS. Uh, inside the game, there is a Talking Stations Corporation. No, not open for recruitment yet. Maybe in the future, but uh, look for some financial services. They're uh, going to be presenting themselves and based out of TTT. Um, anything else? Such a waste. I, I want to talk to you guys all day long, but uh, two, two over two hours is probably enough. <laughs> right. Audience, right? Oh, you guys I'd like more? to give a, a quick shout out to the the Anger Games, which is a tournament that's coming that's up right. pretty soon. I'm in it. Uh, yeah, cool. I think a lot of people are in it. I don't know if Elise is in it. Scared uh, Elise out. <laughs> He's <laughs> too <laughs> scared. <laughs> I know my kryptonite. It, it's okay. There isn't like uh, you know. Like you should have joined. You should have joined our team. We would have let you. We would have let you join, Elise. Uh, so Tony, uh, are you in it? Uh, no, I, I'm not. But uh, who knows, right? Uh, is this some sort of retirement plan that I was not told about? We are on the team. I am on the team if all else fails, and it's mostly Electus Matari, but we have a couple of others. All right, cool. Well, check out the Anger Games. Thanks. All right. Uh, I think I think we covered everything. Once again, a reminder that if you want to see CCP Rotati talk with Oz, who is a financial uh, streamer, check that out on his next stream. Uh, I don't know when it is. I didn't have it in front of me. Uh, and, uh, 10 or 11, I think, uh, Eve time. Today? E Eve time tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, check that out. Uh, I'm going to be checking it out. You should too. That'll give you some interesting... Uh, I think maybe an interesting announcement might come out of that. You never know. So we'll see. Uh, also, want to remind you, we have uh, Talking In Stations every day during the week. And watch those shows on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash talkinginstations. Or check out our podcast... Uh, Newsday or the Weekend Report. That's this show that you just saw. If you don't catch it here, you can catch it on podcasts. And once again, if you want your mail, sorry, if you want your news inside the game, subscribe to the mailing list in-game, TIS News. And that will give you our daily news uh, summary. So check that out as well. That's it from us here at Talking In Stations. I want to thank Arcia, Elise, uh, Caleb and Suetonia, and also our guest Carneros. And also, I want to thank very much um, McLeod for doing all the visuals. That's it from us. We'll see you next time on Talking In Stations. Mm -hmm.